Hello and welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 96. Thanks for listening. I said, thanks for listening. Hello? Wake up! I know this episode is dropping at the tail end of the Thanksgiving holiday weekend, and you're all sleepy from all the tryptophan, and probably uh, massive amounts of holiday cheer in the form of uh, adult beverages, but we have important podcasting work to do. I hope everyone had a lovely Thanksgiving holiday, those of you who celebrated the holiday. Uh, The rest of you, I hope you had just a lovely week since I talked to you last. What did I do over the holiday? Well, two things happened. One is not really holiday-related, and actually it was a week or so before the holiday, but I discovered a new podcast that I have fallen in love with. It's called Hold My Order, Terrible Dresser, the WKRP in Cincinnati podcast. The ironic thing here is, I'm discovering it now, but they are actually, uh, right now, within a few episodes of being done, it's an episode-by-episode review. Uh, Usually each episode of the podcast covers two episodes of the classic 70s, late 70s, early 80s uh, sitcom. WKRP in Cincinnati, and each episode talks about two of those episodes from the sitcom. It's not a sh- uh, podcast where you have to have necessarily rewatched the episodes that they're talking about, although it helps. Uh, they don't do a, um, a complete scene-by-scene breakdown of what happens in the episode. They Really, they just use the story uh, of each episode, which they describe to you, as sort of a jumping-off point to talk about all sorts of things. History, uh, sociology, uh, what life was like in that era, um, you know, issues of uh, uh, sexism and racism, and uh, homophobia, and you know, political cultural issues that were going on at the time that this ep- these episodes were going out. You know, and they also talked about the the, the characters and in, in, in specific scenes in the episodes too, but it's really more of an excuse to talk about all these other things. It's just sort of a fascinating look at history through the lens of this really great classic sitcom. So if you're a fan of WKRP, definitely listen to it. If you kind of know what WKRP is but don't necessarily know all the episodes, don't worry about it. Uh, you'll still get a lot out of this podcast anyway. Like I said, as it happens, they are pretty much close to being done with all the episodes, and I'm not sure. I haven't listened to those, these most recent episodes yet, so I don't know if they've announced any plans to talk about the uh, the new WKRP uh, spinoff that came out a few years after the original, or if they're going to do something else with the podcast, or what, or, or if they're just going to be done completely. Uh, I started way back with episode one, and I'm trying to catch up now, so I would encourage you to do the same. Hold my order, terrible dresser. And they do, actually, I, I just listened to episode, I think it's seven or eight, and they finally explain where that title for the podcast comes from. Because when you read it initially, it sounds like a really, honestly, kind of a dumb title for a podcast. But they finally explain it now, and I get it. So uh, I won't ruin it for you. No spoilers here. Hold My Order, Terrible Dresser, the WKRP in Cincinnati podcast. There you go. What else is new? Oh, this is exciting. Uh, you guys may have seen this, but if not, you should go look for it. As you probably know... There is going to be coming out next year a movie based on the classic arcade and Atari game Rampage. Uh, it's a game that I loved to play in the arcade when I was a kid, uh, and I made sure to get a copy 
for my 7800, and it, I have just as much fun playing it at home. Maybe not as much fun, because when I went to the arcade, I could take two of my friends, and we could all play at the same time. But I still enjoy playing it on the 7800, and they're making a movie out of uh, out of the game. So it's called Rampage. It stars Dwayne Johnson as a, uh, I don't know, some sort of scientist, I guess. And he has this sort of beloved gorilla that he works with named George. Uh, and then something happens, and George is infected or radiated or something, and it turns him into this huge sort of, you know, initially he's just sort of this gentle gorilla buddy, frankly, to uh, Dwayne Johnson, but whatever happens to him turns him into this sort of rampaging monster, and then of course, at that point, it becomes sort of this uh, big popcorn adventure disaster movie. Uh, It looks like a lot of fun, an official trailer, I know that because an official trailer just came out the week that I'm recording this podcast, so... That was fun to see. If you haven't watched the trailer yet, go do that. I'm looking forward to that movie sometime next year. April, maybe? I don't know. Sometime next year. So that'll be fun. And what else? Oh, on the theme of Thanksgiving, this being the episode that's dropping right after the holiday, every year I, like a lot of people, watch the uh, classic comedy uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Steve Martin, John Candy. I watch this thing at least once a year for... Well, let's see, when did it come out? It came out in 87. So for the last 30 years, I've watched it at least once a year. This year, when I was watching it for the first time, I noticed that there's a scene with some arcade machines. They're not prominently displayed. It's not like the characters, the, you know, Steve Martin and John Candy aren't playing video games. But there's a scene where they're in the bus station in St. Louis. And they're trying to, you know, raise some cash. And you know, John Candy's busy going around selling uh, shower curtain rings to impressionable young people, trying to convince them that they're you know, fancy jewelry. Uh, and Steve Martin's trying to call home. So he finds the uh, bank of pay phones. Kids, go ask your parents. And as in, in the shot, where you can see him walk over to the pay phones, and I never paid attention to this before, but to the right of the bank of pay phones, there are at least three arcade machines. And there's some kids standing there playing them. So they're kind of obscured a little bit. Um, you can see most of two of the machines. And then there's clearly a third machine there, but there's like a wall, a partial wall that's sort of blocking us. I can't tell at all what that machine is. The one next to that in the middle, I think you really can't read the marquee, but I think it might be Centipede. I'm not sure. And then there's another machine that the kids are playing where part of the name is obscured by a kid's head, but I'm pretty sure it's Galaga. Uh, based on the rest of the marquee. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I never noticed that before. A little uh, video game sighting is always fun. So another reason to go watch planes, trains, and automobiles. One more thing before we get on to this week's game. It's still the holiday season. Thanksgiving is over now, so the Christmas and Hanukkah shopping season are in full swing. And I think you should consider picking up my novel because I'm nothing if not a shameless self-promoter. I wrote a novel years ago called In the Saint Nick of Time. And I, every year around this time of year, I bother people about it because it's a holiday-themed story. It's a, a sort of Santa Claus story for adults about three friends uh, in Santa Claus, Indiana, which is a real place. Uh, at the holiday season, uh, one of the friends happens to be Santa Claus, who has quit his job because he's burned out. He meets up with successful author... Uh, Cameron Jones, who's going through a rough patch in his career and with his ex-wife. And Cameron's buddy, Dogwater Hunt, who is an obsessed 
conspiracy theorist and convinced that aliens are going to visit Earth on Christmas Eve. So he's calling them the Santa Claus aliens. So it's a fun story. There's a lot of humor in it. Uh, there's some uh, serious stuff, too. I think there's a lot of heart to the novel. If you're into this sort of thing, there's even a little gunplay. So I think it's fun. I liked writing it. I had a good time. I think you guys have liked reading it. And I really hope you consider doing it. so. You can order it pretty much wherever you get books. So uh, please do go check that out. If you like it, go to your uh, book buying place of choice and please leave a review. If you didn't, even if you didn't buy it at Amazon, which is cool, uh, if you still go to Amazon and leave a review, although I guess I don't know if they'll let you do that if you don't actually buy it there. I'm not sure about that. And then also, you know, since you know how to reach me here on the podcast, uh, reach out here on the podcast and let me know what you thought of it. I really appreciate it. In the Saint Nick of Time by me, William Pepper. All right, let's move on to this week's game. This week's game is. So you think you're fast enough to beat the bomber? I don't think so. Kaboom! By Activision. Plug this cartridge into your Atari video game system and get ready to handle high explosives. Don't sneeze. Don't even blink. Because the faster you get, the faster he gets. And if you miss... Kaboom! By Activision. Kaboom from Activision. We love us some Activision here on the podcast. Uh, 1981, I believe, when this one came out. The manual which has a delightful rendering of the uh, scene in the game. You have the sort of comical-looking, uh, st- sort of uh, classic crook-looking uh, mad bomber. Uh, he's got the black-and-white-striped uh, shirt with the uh, you know the black mask over his eyes. You know, w- once upon a time, whenever a crook was rendered in a cartoon, that's pretty much what they would wear. It's also how he dresses in uh, Ralphie's Red Rider dream in A Christmas Story. Now the Thanksgiving is over, my brain turns to Christmas movies, uh, one of the best of which is A Christmas Story. Not here to talk about that. So the Mad Bomber is dropping all these bombs, and one of them is dropping into a bucket, and there's a big explosion going on next to the to the bombs. Uh, it's a lovely little piece of art. Uh, it's another one that I want you know someone to uh, blow up and put in a nice frame so I can hang it in my office. From the manual tells us, prepare yourself for a supreme test of reflexes, coordination, and agility. You're about to face the world's most unpredictable and relentless mad bomber. He hates losing as much as you love winning. So to keep him frowning, take a minute to read over these instructions, then grab your buckets and bombs away. Kaboom basics. He put the cartridge in the uh, the Atari. Uh, we're using the paddle controllers for this one. Game one is you versus the mad bomber. Game two is you and a friend taking turns versus the mad bomber. Use the paddle controller, hold the paddle controller with button at the upper left, which is my all time favorite instruction ever. I used to comment on that a lot more. Maybe I've gotten used to it now. I don't know. I'm mellowing in my old podcasting age. By turning your pedal controller clockwise, you move your buckets of water to the right. Turn your controller counterclockwise, moves buckets to the left. With difficulty switches in the B or down position, buckets are full size. With switches in the A or up position, buckets are half size. Only advanced players should attempt this setting. The left difficulty switch is used by the first player. The right switch is the uh, second player. Game two only. Each time you catch a bomb in one of your buckets of water, you score points. The point value of each bomb depends on how fast the bombs are falling, uh, that bomb is falling, and which group that bomb is in. There are eight separate groups of bombs as shown in the following chart. Here, look closely. Can you see it in the back? Okay, good. So there are eight, like I said, eight bomb groups. Um, 
point values range from 10 points, or rather, number of bombs range from 10 in the first group to 150 in the eighth group. Uh, points range from 1 to 8 uh, for each bomb caught. Cumulative score, well, you can do the math. Basically, the cumulative score ranges from 10 in bomb group 1 to 2,900 in bomb group 8. Bomb group 8 is the highest level. Once you reach this level, all bombs that fall that follow will fall at the same rate of speed and are worth the same points as bombs in groups 8. Unless you miss a bomb. See next page. When you miss a bomb, all bombs explode and you lose a bucket. Lose all three buckets and the game is over. To start over after a miss, press the red button near your controller. See special features. The object of the game is to catch as many bombs as you can get and get as close as possible to 999,000 999 maximum points, which I'm sure that many of you have done because you're all a bunch of show-off, you know, fancy pantses. Two-player games. Game two is for two players who take turns against the Mad Bomber. The score for the first player will be in yellow and for the second player in red. Players alternate turns until both have lost all buckets. The player with the highest score of the games end is the winner. Note to owners of Sears Telegames Video Arcade System. Difficulty switches are called skill left or right player, and A up is expert, and B down is novice. Special features of Kaboom by Activision. The Mad Bomber gets one by you. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. You'll miss a bomb. When you do, all bombs on the screen explode. You lose a bucket, and the Mad Bomber expresses his happiness. Then, depending on which bomb group you're in, when you miss, the level of difficulty of the next bomb dropped is affected as follows. There is no change in difficulty when you miss at bomb group 1. Your next bomb will still be in group 1. If you're in bomb group 2 or above when you miss, you will restart play at level 1. Wah, wah. Group lower than where... Uh, you will restart play at a level 1 group lower than where you were playing when you missed. But you only need to catch one half the number of bombs normally in that level before making it back to the level at which you missed. Here's an example. Alright, I'm holding it up. Can you see it? Okay. You miss a bomb in group 4, so you restart play in group 3, but you only need to catch 15 bombs, half the normal amount for group 3, to regain the group 4 level, refer to the point system chart. Replacing lost buckets. For every 1,000 points you score, you will be given a new bucket if one or two are missing. However, you may never have more than three buckets, because that's what's wrong with government today. Our government will not let us have more than three buckets. When buckets are outlawed, only outlaws will have buckets. However, you may never have more than three buckets, and no additional buckets are awarded if you reach another thousand points with no buckets missing. Getting in the feel of Kaboom by Activision. There's a method to this madness, and the more you play, the more you'll need it. The more you'll see it. Bombs fall a certain way, but don't try to aim and line up your buckets under each bomb. Instead, try to get a feeling for the bomb patterns that develop. After a while, you'll be able to anticipate when bombs will fall. That's when you can get the jump on the mad bomber. Join the Activision Bucket Brigade. If you succeed in, in scoring 3,000 or more points at Kaboom, send us a picture of the television screen along with your name and address, and we will enroll you in the Activision Bucket Brigade and send you a special membership emblem. If you ever reach the maximum 999,999 points, please send us a photo. Such a remarkable achievement must be recognized, but you'll never, ever get all that time of your life back. Remember that, kids. If anyone was ever in the Bucket Brigade and you have your patch, let me know. Maybe send me a picture of it, because I'll be envious, as I want to do. Ooh, and then we get one of the best parts of these manuals, a letter, a personal letter to us, from Larry Taplin, designer of Kaboom. 
Larry Kaplan is also the designer of Bridge by Activision. A senior member of the Activision Designs team, Larry is a well-known expert in the field of video game design. To do well in Kaboom, you'll need all the reflexes, endurance, and concentration you can muster. Don't be frustrated if things don't go well at first. It takes a fair amount of practice, especially to catch the bombs at higher speeds. You'll notice that you'll be... uh, You'll be improving in stages. The first plateau is the thousand point mark. Mastery of bond groups 5 and 6 is necessary to do well here. Conquering bond group 7 will place you at the 2000 point level. As you develop the stamina and concentration needed to progress, you'll conquer bond group 8. From then on, it's a matter of fine-tuning your skills and extending your endurance to improve your score. If you hit the 10,000 point level, that really impresses the Mad Bomber and he'll show his appreciation. Watch for it. Hmm... Alright. Mad Bomber's going to appreciate all of you, I guess. Here's one special trick we have discovered, Larry says, to help build up your score while maintaining some control of the game. If you have all three buckets, and you're just about to cross a thousand point level, thousand, two thousand, three thousand, etc., miss one of the bombs on purpose. Whoa! What devilry is this, Larry Kaplan? He explains. You will lose your bottom bucket, but you will start over at the next level at the next lower difficulty level, and that'll give you a few bombs to catch at a slower speed. Then after you've gone over the thousand point level, you'll get your bucket back anyway. So you haven't lost a thing. Huh. Larry Kaplan. You're a sneaky devil. Since you'll be playing for a while at a slower speed, it gives you a breather, but keeps you in the game. If you really become good at Kaboom, try it with the difficulty switches set at A. Since the buckets are only half this regular size, you'll really have to be quick. Please take time out from your bomb chasing to drop me a line. It would be great to hear from you. Alright, Larry Kaplan. I really hope no one actually tried to mail Larry Kaplan a cartoony bomb in the mail as proof that they had actually, you know, done well in the game. That would seem to be problematic. And that is how you play Kaboom! Kaboom! Might be the funnest title we've had so far on the podcast. Uh, It's just fun to say. Kaboom! We know that Larry... Kaplan designed the game, David Crane coded the overlaid sprites, and the game was well-received and successful commercially, selling over a million cartridges by 1983. It was released for the 2600 we know in 81, for the 8-bit Atari in 83, and for the 5200 also in 83. Kaboom is an unauthorized adaptation of the 1978 Atari coin-op Avalanche. Gameplay is fundamentally the same for both games, but Kaboom was rethemed to be about a mad bomber instead of falling rocks. As an ex-Atari programmer, Larry Kaplan originally wanted to port Avalanche to the Atari 2600. In Avalanche, all the boulders are lined up at the top, which is difficult to accomplish on the 2600, hence the shift to the Mad Bomber. Contemporary critical reception was positive, with Kaboom winning an award for Best Audiovisual Effects at the third annual Archie Awards. Archie Award judges characterized the game as a feast for the eyes and ears, and commented that Activision had hit the mark dead center again with Kaboom. While the game concept was a described as rather similar to that of Avalanche, Kaboom was found to have such presentational elan that it was hailed as an instant classic. It was also covered in Video game, uh, video Magazine's 1982 Guide to Electronic Games, where it was praised as uh, for its exceptional graphics and lightning-quick gameplay. Strategy Wiki tells us that uh, the game was included in the Activision Anthology in 2002 uh, for several modern platforms, and the Atari 2600 version is also available on GameTap. Strategy Wiki offers a couple of tips. When playing, uh, when playing, watch the Mad Bomber rather than the bombs. He drops them from where he currently is. As long as the bombs make contact with the bucket, they will be extinguished. They don't have to actually be caught in it. 
It actually took me a little bit to figure that out. So, oh, well, I don't have to worry about lining it up perfectly. As long as I touch the bomb, everything's good. The 8-Bit Central review uh, writes that uh, the, the reviewer was never a huge fan of Kaboom. He understands the build-up and how manic it got, but it seemed like a one-trick pony. Uh, there was something that simply didn't click with him and Kaboom's gameplay. He liked the 2600 version, but much of that was due to the paddle controllers that gave it an edge. The 5200 version didn't seem to be much of an upgrade visually. They added a cityscape background, but the bombs and buckets seemed much the same as the 2600 game. The 5200 version of the game added a few changes, but nothing to really set it apart from previous versions. Kaboom is considered to be a classic Atari 2600 game, has been released for several Atari consoles, and was included on the Activision Anthology Companion. Tiger Electronics even converted Kaboom into one of their tiny LCD keychain-sized games. There was a rumored 16-bit version coming to the SNES, but it never came to market. The paddle controllers on the 2600 delivered better gameplay. Coupled with the scan amount of added features to the 5200 doesn't offer the stellar game it really should. Final judgment, Kaboom on the 5200 isn't much of an upgrade from the 2600. That isn't to say they simply rushed out a clone for the new hardware, but it didn't deliver the same manic play as the 2600 did with its preferable paddle controllers. Atari Protus says that this is perhaps one of the best-known Activision games and has been a favorite with casual and hardcore gamers alike due to its easy-to-learn, hard-to-master gameplay. The 8-bit version adds a new two-player mode in which each player, in which, in which one player controls the bomber while the other controls the buckets. The simultaneous two-player mode adds a lot of excitement and playability and probably should have been in the 2600 version from the start. Another addition to the Atari 8-bit version is music. The original 2600 version has no music during gameplay, just the sound effect of bombs and water. The 8-bit version plays a passable version of the 1812 Overture, but the catch is that it only plays a note when the player catches a bomb. The upshot of this is that the first, at first the tune sounds very slow due to the bombs falling slowly, but as the game progresses the tune becomes amazingly fast due to the speed of the bombs increasing. It's one of the most addicting games ever released as a, on a classic game system, easy to learn, hard to master, uh, makes it fun to play. Uh, as it was back then. And finally, my favorite review comes from onemorecastle.com, something called an Atari poop, which I guess is a regular segment on the website? I'm not sure. They say, for some strange reason, the Atari 2600 seems to have had a thing for games that have exclamation points in the name. Pitfall, Oink, Mr. Do, etc. It also seems to have had a thing for having absolutely terrible games among its best-selling games. Kaboom fits into both of these categories. Or does it? Released in 81, sold over a million copies, uh, putting it among the top 15 best-selling games for the 2600. The reviewer says, I have no idea why it sold so well. It didn't have an uber-successful previous life as an arcade game or a movie like E.T. or Pac-Man. Uh, and the game is just plain boring. Want me to tell you everything about the gameplay in the game in one 23-word sentence? Too bad, I'm good anyway. You catch bombs dropped by the Mad Bomber with buckets, losing one every time you miss one until you lose all three buckets. That's it. Uh, there's more stuff about him being confused why it sold so well. For those of you who haven't played, who have played the game before, don't you ever ask yourself what made the Mad Bomber become so mad? Why drop bombs and not just shoot the guy? And as for your main character, why catch bombs at all? Why not just leave them and you know, let them fall on the ground? Well, though the notes have never been released, I believe Larry Kaplan, the man behind the game, left some pretty obvious hints in his other games. First of all, the Mad Bomber is, is so named not just because he drops bombs, an earlier game Kaplan created was Air-Sea Battle, a launch title for the 2600. In one of the game modes, you control an anti-aircraft gun and shoot down, well, aircraft, 
It's easy, it's safe to assume that one of the planes you shoot down is a bomber flown by the Mad Bomber. Another launch title was Street Racer, also by Kaplan. Two launch titles made by the same guy. You don't think the guy racing down the city streets isn't the same one who was manning the anti-aircraft gun? Maybe the only reason you're racing through the streets is because you're trying to get to the building the Mad Bomber landed on after ejecting from his damaged bomber. The one you shot down. Kaplan also made brain games. What appears to be a collection of memory games is actually the security system to the building the Mad Bomber landed on. You have to complete 19 different games in order to gain access. Finally, we have Bridge, a bridge game, and Bowling. Turns out Mad Bomber landed on a bowling alley just happened to have some seniors playing Bridge in it as well. As two civilized men, they agreed to bowl in lieu of a death match. However, as you can see, if you played bowling, the main character is ridiculously good. Mad Bomber feels cheated and challenges him to a game of bridge, but since the main character isn't 90 years old, he has no idea, no idea how to play, so he decides to throw all the cards on the floor while declaring this game is stupid. This brings all the way back to Kaboom. Mad Bomber flips out and starts throwing bombs everywhere because he had some in a bag, because that's what a bomber pilot, what bomber pilots do. The main character has to catch all the bombs in a bucket of water, thus defusing them in order to protect all the seniors' fragile hips which would surely shatter should one bomb actually explode. So there you have it. Kaboom is part 6 of an epic gaming series most most people never even knew existed. And then he's got a little graphic here of uh, 007, Bombs Away. And it has a picture of uh, uh, an actual uh, fire explosion, and then you see the Mad Bomber, and you see uh, James Bond. So that's kind of cool. Um, he's stealing my gig. Actually, I don't know when this was written. Maybe I stole his gig. I don't know. All right. The book A to Z of Atari 2600 games also has an entry on Kaboom. Uh, the takeaway from their review is that uh, the game tests your reflexes. It's a fairly simple score attack game, but it's fast action, great graphics, and addictive gameplay will keep you on your toes for a long time to come. So the consensus seems to be that uh, this is an incredibly simple game, teetering on the edge of being boring, but some people, like me, are charmed by the... Uh, the idea of catching these bombs in this, these little buckets of water where you can actually see the water splash out of, out of the buckets. Oh, one more thing. Uh, kaboom. The word kaboom. I did a little very superficial research about the etymology of kaboom. Uh, it appears to be simply, uh, and obviously, uh, onomon- onom- this is a hard word to say, onomatopoetic term for an explosion. Meaning, basically, the word sounds like the thing it describes. Explosion arguably, sounds like kaboom. So the word is kaboom. Sounds like the thing that it describes. I think I might have seen something that suggested maybe the word has origins in the 1940s, but I didn't dig deep enough into it to determine anything more specific than that. So if any of you guys are word nerds and know more about the uh, origins of the word kaboom, uh, hit me up in email or social media, and I will share that with everybody next week. All right. After the break... Do the buckets in Kaboom hold water? Who cares? Look at all these bombs! Alright people, the mad bomber is on the loose. But don't worry, I've got a plan to catch him. We just need a bunch of buckets of water. And if this doesn't work, well, the whole thing's gonna go kablooey. Do you mean kaboom? No, that's just stupid. 
So Kaboom is one of these pleasingly simple games, right? You got a guy with some bombs, and he's dropping and stopping by catching them in your three buckets of water. Um, simple yet really kind of addictive. In the best way, you know, of all the good, a lot of the good Atari games. Whoa, lost a bucket. I like the look of the game. The bombs look cartoony, realistic. You know, like you expect the uh, cartoony bombs to look. The mad bomber is not all that threatening. He's cartoony too, of course. Can't imagine if they made Kaboom today, how dark and disturbed this game would be. Wow, that was the end already. It's hard to do this and talk at the same time. The buckets are a little weird. I like how when the bombs fall into them, a little bit of the water splashes out. That's a nice little effect. Um, it's a little weird that you get... I mean, I get why you get three buckets. That's your three shots at the at the uh, at doing the game. But the buckets are all on screen at the same time, and they're all parallel, or not parallel. They're they're all you know right on top of each other. I don't really get that. Why not just give you one bucket at a time? Oh, Matt Bomber apparently uh, had a couple of espresso shots. He's moving now. About to lose the bucket. Uh, yes! Haha! <laughs> Eat it, mad bomber! I told you this game's addictive. Ah, phooey. One more bucket. Charlie Bucket, where's your golden ticket? That has nothing to do with the game, of course. But, you know. When, when isn't it a good time for a Willy Wonka reference? Uh, does anything blow up in Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory? Uh, they smash through the, the glass roof of the factory, which is odd. In a glass elevator, which is even odder. Nothing really explodes, I don't think. Except maybe Violet uh, in the juicing room. But uh, we don't see that scene. Anyway, none of that has anything to do with Kaboom. Uh, so I guess back to you in the studio. Kaboom! Where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom! So here's the thing about kaboom. I've already kind of said it. I like the game. It does, as I said earlier, run right up to the line of being boring, because it is super repetitive. And I don't know that I'll sit here for an afternoon and play this thing, but it is like potato chips. It's hard to play just one time, right? You want to... You wanna pop another one in and keep doing that to get your score up but yeah i think once you actually get good at the game the uh excitement wears off pretty quick because once you've sort of mastered it i don't know if there's a whole lot to keep you coming back i don't know if there's much joy in getting uh, a thousand points much more joy in getting you know three thousand points than a thousand points or whatever but i like the look of the game i, I think it's fun to play it's a good time but you know it is ultimately a game about a mad bomber and, you know, wantonly sort of uh, manically dropping bombs all over the place. What's the story there? What's with all these bombs? How did they get out here? Where did the mom, where does the mad bomber shop for these things? I mean, in 1981, did you just walk into Costco and pick up a six-pack of cartoony time bombs? I don't think so. Somebody had to make these things, and somebody had to sell them. The, the obvious source of these bombs had to have been the classic 
Acme Company, right? Maker of fine products to kill cartoon characters in comical ways for decades. So it had to come to pass that eventually Acme would be called in front of Congress to explain its actions. We have obtained here at Atari Bytes an exclusive unreleased transcript of congressional hearing on the manufacture and sale of cartoony explosives where Acme CEO Matilda Acme testified on the activities of the Acme Comic Explosion Production Center. Here, then, is that transcript. November 20, 9.12 a.m. The Congressional Committee on Comical Wanton Destruction, or possibly the Comical Congressional Wanton Committee? We're not sure. Has convened a hearing on the rash of customer complaints about Acme Materials, Incorporated's cartoony bombs. First, we hear from Charles Chuck Jones, committee chairman. The committee will now hear from Matilda Acme. Miss Acme, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Matilda Acme. On a stack of Bibles, Senator Jones, let the record reflect that Miss Acme's briefcase just sprouted a hundred foot tall of stack of Bibles, then leapt from the top of it, turning into a sledgehammer as she fell, then back into a person as she hit the floor. The Bibles transformed into the crocodiles from Pitfall and chased each other back into the briefcase. Now then, Miss Acme, before we begin, the committee would like to extend its condolences on the loss of your father, Acme founder Alphonse Acme. Crushed by a falling anvil is no way to go. Acme. Thank you, Senator. Actually, he was flattened by a steamroller, and his pancaked body floated on the breeze out to sea and took a left turn. He's in a better place now. Albuquerque, we think. Jones. Well, thank you for appearing today during this difficult time. Before we begin, please state your name, occupation, and, if you wish, make an opening statement. Thank you. My name is Matilda Acme, CEO of Acme Materials. When my father, Alphonse Acme, started Acme Materials, he had one goal, to provide high-quality explosives, machinery, and the occasional hang glider or hot air balloon that would never fail, until the purchaser needed it the most. Our cartoon time bombs have comically blown the clothes off countless hapless customers trying to outwit ducks and roadrunners and rabbits and what have you. I have no doubt that this investigation will vindicate Acme as the first name in shoddy, unsafe materials. Jones. The committee will now offer our colleague, Senator Freeling, an opportunity to question the witness. Go ahead, Fritz. Senator Fritz Freeling. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Miss Acme. There have been numerous reports in the media about Acme's bombs having short fuses. Are you familiar with this? Acme. I am. I would remind you, though, that our products are proudly deficient. If I may say, a short fuse goes a long way toward a satisfying, ill-timed explosion. Senator Mel Blank. Mr. Chairman. Jones. The committee will now hear from Senator Mel Blank. Senator Mel Blank. Carrot. Jones. The record will reflect the witness has been offered a root vegetable. Acme. No, thank you. I had some bird seed with alum in it for breakfast. Blank. Well, I'll get right to the point. Are you familiar with the Mad Bomber? The record will reflect that Acme has paused here to lean back in her chair and consult in whispered tones with her attorney, whose name is unknown, but he's a short, large-nosed gentleman in a bow tie and a supper dish on his head. His name is unknown to the committee, but he's believed to be a world-famous attorney. Paradoxically. Acme. It is my understanding the Mad Bomber is a bomber who is mad. Blank. Isn't it true that Acme Materials has supplied the Mad Bomber with all of his bombs? Acme. 
Only the good ones, Senator. Blank. Well, let's talk about that. Are you aware that the majority of the bombs the Mad Bomber comically lobs fall easily into waiting buckets? Freeling. Are we going to talk about how evil the Mad Bomber is? Blank. No. Acme. To answer the question, I don't have bucket statistics at hand, but I do have this. Jones. The record will reflect that Miss Acme extended her arm a comically long way across the Senate chamber to shake hands with Senator Blank, thereby shocking him with a joy buzzer. The senator then scooped his eyeballs off the floor, popped them back in to his head, and continued. Senator, you may resume questioning. Acme. We sell to all comers with a handshake and a smile. The Mad Bomber, Crazy Larry, Yosemite Sam, Marvin the Martian, Wiley E. Coyote. It's just business. Blank. But are bombs supposed to fall so easily into these buckets, Miss Acme? Acme. Why not? We don't care what people do with them. We have bombs for every need. Bombs to fall and bombs to throw. Bombs for here and bombs to go. Acme bombs will make a duck's bill spin around its face or go down a hot-headed nemesis's gullet if you let it. Blank. What about all the customers who paid good cartoon currency for your bombs? Does it concern you that Acme bombs were so easily foiled? Acme. Nope. Acme sells buckets, too. Blank. Excuse me? Freeland. Acme is selling the bombs to the compulsive but weirdly adored Mad Bomber, and also selling the buckets used to catch them. The company makes money on both ends. Acme. That reminds me. What state is high in the middle and round on both ends? Jones. The record will reflect the correct answer is the state of Ohio. Acme. Right, and that's where I'm headed, riding out of town on the next thing smoking. See ya, suckers! Jones. Let the record reflect Matilda Acme disappeared in a puff of smoke. Freeling. Actually, it's more of a plume of smoke. Jones. Correction noted. The record will reflect through the dissipating smoke. It can be seen Acme left behind an old-timey pirate's chest overflowing with gold doubloons. A card on top reads, To my favorite senators. Blank. Uh, move to strike that last entry from the record. Freeling. Seconded. Jones. Motion carries. Committee findings. Inconclusive. This meeting is adjourned. And that's our show. My thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. You can find Atari Bytes on many podcatchers. But wherever you get your podcasts, please remember to blow up people's phones with an iTunes review of the show. And then spread the cheer like the Mad Bomber spreads cartoony bombs by telling all of your friends to go check out Atari Bytes. You can also support the show financially at the Atari Bytes Patreon page, or by picking up Atari Bytes merchandise at Zazzle.com. Uh, just type in Atari Bytes or our podcast store name, AB underscore pod underscore store. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff in there, uh, including some newer uh, t-shirts and stuff, so go check that out. Our website is ataribytes.libsyn.com. You can email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. You can like the Atari Bytes Facebook page. You can follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. And also don't forget to look for us on Instagram. And, you know, while you're at it, while you're still, uh, you know, burning off the, uh, maybe when you go running, if you want something to listen to while you're burning off those Thanksgiving calories, please check out my other show. It's a podcast to Charlie Brown for all your Peanuts-related needs. 
need your Snoopy fix, we can hook you up. New episodes drop on the 15th of every month. Next time on Atari Bytes. Mousetrap. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.